Hi everyone, I'm Joanna. Um, this is Hyphenated, the podcast about living in the hyphen. And today I have an incredible co-host while Jenny is off at her sister's wedding. Um, Akila Hughes is one of my favorite people in the world. She is outstandingly intelligent, incredibly funny, and one of my like first internet crushes that became a real life friend. <laughs> and uh, I am just so excited to have Akila here co-hosting today's episode with me. Hi, honey. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, what an intro. Uh, I love you even more than what you said about me. I love you the same. I was How dare also you? Like, How wow. dare you insinuate that, Akila? <laughs> I also had an internet crush. So this is, uh, you know. It's kind of crazy because me and you sort of lived similar uh, career paths, I guess. It's, yeah. you know, we were in the comedy scene in New York, but we sort of very much found our footing and what we wanted to say and our point of view through the stuff that we made on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there it, was, you know, I, I mean, I guess like when I talk about your your career path, I do think that like you had more of a legit <laughs> comedy thing in New York. Like you were on like real sketch teams at UCB and stuff, you know, like you were like doing it. And I think that like I I was such a fan in that regard. But yeah, your internet presence and the stuff that you wanted to talk about and the things that you could bring so much clarity to and so much levity to, that was always online. And I think that like, I think it's, that's the beautiful thing about the internet is <laughs> we actually it's could like beautiful say thing. the real stuff, you know, we don't have to try to, I think, fit in with whatever comedy is doing at the moment. We just create that culture, which is great. Yeah, sometimes it's like, I, I feel like, I'm, yeah, okay, I'm a comedian, but I don't want to just be funny. It feels exhausting yeah. to just be funny. It's like, oh, I when I'm myself, I in unintentionally am funny. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the internet gave me that platform to just be <laughs> myself and say dumb shit. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think that like we're just entering a new era of comedy. And all my favorite comedians growing up were like people who I thought were very funny, but like just had like such profound truths in their comedy. Like I love Chris Rock. And I think that like uh, his best work is when he's saying something that is like undeniably true and everyone sort of said it by now, but they didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I think that that's, that's the fun space that we can occupy where it's like, we can be smart and funny. Like I love being silly, but uh, I do think the times are a little heavier than just like, you know, dumb and dumber. <laughs> gotta, gotta progress. It's, it's, it's so true. It, and like, I don't know about you for me. Comedy has always been the way that I, uh, go through hard times like I every time there's just a a problem or a situation or like I'm I'm going through something really difficult I always try to undercut it with humor because I feel like humor tends to cut through fear totally (laughs) that's why like nervous laughter and awkward jokes like when I was going through my whole uh cancer thing and surgeries and everything I couldn't stop making jokes and and trying to make light of a situation that felt like the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when when we were talking yesterday about what we wanted to talk about today, you mentioned to me that today marks a really important day or anniversary for you. Yeah, absolutely. So five years ago, I had a major surgery. Uh, I had benign liver tumors, so not cancer, but, uh, you know, kind of came out of nowhere. And I think that like that's the probably the common thread here. But it basically, you know, I felt like I was on a career ascent. I felt like things were really everything's coming up. I'm finally getting all these opportunities. And then it's just like, oh, you have this issue and, you know, your condition can deteriorate really quickly. And so it was sort of like, uh, you know, I describe it as like a wall being built between me and the world. Like suddenly I was just like over here experiencing this thing. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> who can relate to this? Like, uh, and so, yeah, it's been five years since the surgery, uh, which is important for several reasons, obviously, like happy I'm still kicking it, but also like still um, alive. That's good. Exactly. You know, I can't complain to that. <laughs> still living, breathing every day. Um, but also like I remember reading statistics about surgeries especially this one uh because that's what you do you do you got to fill the time with like information and uh the one statistic that i remembered was like most people don't live five years after the surgery because i mean for several reasons one of them is that mostly older people have this surgery it like i had a liver resection so it's like they're taking a big chunk of your liver usually that happens when you're 70 
they don't think you'll make it to 75, but they think you might make it to 73. And so to make it five years, I'm like, okay, so I actually am not ancient. Like, that's good. <laughs> Younger than just, I thought. Just your liver. Yeah. Only your liver is 70-something. Exactly. Aquila has the body of a 30-something. That's right. That's right. A cute little 30-something, <laughs> like a, a MILF, but I have no kids. <laughs> like, wow, she really bounced An back. Ilf. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, I, I I wanted to talk with you about it because, you know, it, I'm sure it was even more isolating having to go through cancer in a pandemic. You don't have, you know, everyone there to love you and cheer you on and everything is so distanced. But I think that like, of all things, um, I guess of all people, I think that like your comedy and your levity about the situation you know, made other people feel like they had permission to also, you know, be light and funny and try to like give you that love from a distance when they couldn't be there. It's interesting because I, I've had friends go through really difficult things and I've always encountered that I I have trouble knowing what to say, yeah. right? And it's just like, oh my God, this person must be like a different person now. <laughs> it's like a, a new reality <laughs> yeah. that, do you know what I mean? And I felt it, people treating me differently and it bothered me. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, Oh, la Duana. And I'd say a joke and they're like, oh, I'm with you. I'm like, no, just please joke yeah, about like, this. Laugh. Joke like, about how laugh. absurd it is. I don't have a cheek anymore. Like it is inherently <laughs> funny. I don't have a cheek. It is inherently funny that the doctor potentially was going to take skin from my ass and put it on my face. That is inherently funny. <laughs> like, can we take a moment? Yes, I'm going through this thing. But why is it that, you know, this new uh, reality that I'm going through, why is it changing the way people perceive me and act around me? And that I realized I was doing it to others in, in the past. Yeah, same. Totally same. I th- And you know what it is? I think that like, at least from this side of it, uh, from the like being sick side of it, is that it happens and it's it's random. You know what I mean? Like it isn't something where I'm like, oh, I felt sick for a really, 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 really long time. Uh, and, you know, like this is how people know me. It's just a thing that happens. And I think that what's hard for people to understand is like, it could happen to you. It could happen mm-hmm. to you tomorrow. And so I think that they they put people in this box of like, well, now you're like a survivor. You're a person who uh, you're like the, the base of who you are as a person is having overcome this thing. And you're like, I mean, I can't speak for you, but for me, it was like, this is just kind of happening. Like it's a random B storyline. <laughs> it's like, I, I didn't know it was going to pop up and we're not really going to try to like focus on it for the rest of my career or life. Like I'm feeling good now. Let's move forward. And they're like, but you know, are you good? Like even yesterday when I posted about the surgery, like the anniversary, all of these comments are like, oh my God, like I feel so bad. I'm like, did you read the caption? I said, it's been five years. <laughs> like, It didn't happen today. <laughs> read, use your eyes. <laughs> It's very funny how it, it almost it does feel like if life was a writer's room, they were like, okay, this season is kind of boring. Yeah. Um, let's just <laughs> put a little like scare with a disease that is potentially life threatening. Let's just like throw it in there just to see our main character struggle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like this will humanize her too. <laughs> you know, when she gets everything she wants, the payoff will be much bigger because she has. <laughs> Like, it does feel like God was like, let's just spice it up. Like <laughs> It's boring. It, let's spice it up. Can you explain the surgery day? Because I think for me, my surgery day was both the most scary and funniest day of my life. Totally. Um, what was your surgery day like? My surgery day was very much the same. First of all, surgery days are always like so early in the morning. And so it's like, I was like, I wonder if they could push it. My mom's like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, get out of bed. <laughs> so that was part Can one. Can I just like sleep in a little bit more? You will literally be asleep for the <laughs> exactly. rest of the day. <laughs> and for the next week. Like, can you just make it? I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to put on pants. And so we're dragging ass getting there anyway. And then you have to wait forever, um, which is like, it's funny because I think even family doesn't know what to do. So it's like my mom is not an especially religious person, but she's like, I guess we should pray. <laughs> like, what do we do was she, now? Was she trying to be helpful, but then not trying to act like she's nervous? So then she comes off as disingenuous. Like, how was it? Because that was for me. Like, yeah. everyone was like, oh, this isn't a big deal, but you see the fear in their eyes. Totally. Yeah. Like, it was like the moment when she was hugging me for them to take me back that like, I could like tell she was about to cry. And I'm like, why were you doing this all day? <laughs> We just cry about it, you know, like whatever. <laughs> we go in, all right? They're going to stab me open. Like we we knew this was happening. But it's also this is part like, of yeah. the plan. Exactly. This is pre- predetermined. Yes. And so it feels like I think like that's the thing. It's like all day it feels like people are trying to 
be supportive, but also like not be cheesy, but also like be cool about it. But like they're not cool about it. And it's like it's just, you know, there's nothing else to talk about. So that was very difficult. Then I remember um, the surgeon came in, which is, you know, fine. And I'm sitting in the room like they're they've put in like a plain IV, whatever. And they're just like, so you have an option to get like there's two different kinds of scars. Basically, you can get. You can either get like Wait, one. That's- I'm sorry. They, they were they were giving you like options of scars, like as if it was a menu. Yeah, totally. They're like, here's like the sexy tattoo that you come out of here with. It like looks like a hack job either way. But well, the first one, it's like straight down. It's like from the middle of your chest all the way down. And I'm like, that just seems like a lot of layers. Like, what else do we have? And like, there's one that's like an L. Like, it's like uh, down and over. And my mom is like, which one may, like is better for surgery? And they're like, it's the same. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't change that. It's just Still like, opening her uh, yeah, the Yeah, like up. she's for sure going to be bleeding on a table. So like, <laughs> that's not the point of this. It's just like aesthetically, what are you thinking? And so it's weird to make that decision just like in five minutes. It's like if you're at a like tattoo parlor and like you have two options and like neither of them are good. <laughs> they're like, you get a Tasmanian devil or you can get like, live, laugh, or love. Or that stamp that says your name. Yeah. Like those are the two options. They're terrible. <laughs> yes. No one's going to like it. Exactly. I'm like neither of these are satisfactory. So I'm going to go with the L. Like, you know, maybe just like make it a little corner. So that was its own bit of levity. And then, you know, they take you to this sort of waiting room and everyone who's in there is going to do some surgery that day. And everyone who was in there was very elderly. And so they all kept looking at me like they felt sorry for me. And then I felt awkward. Like I wanted to be like, no, guys, like. No, it's like cool. <laughs> like, no, it's not like sad that I'm here. Like, it's not tragic. Like, it's it's tragic for you guys. Cause <laughs> it's like, don't look at me with tragic eyes. Literally, look at yourself. Okay? Exactly. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we're all wearing this like bleach smelling fucking <laughs> outfit. Don't act like it's a first timer. Yeah, hopefully last time, guys. Like, chill. Uh, so that was its own thing, and then. I think the the last thing that I really remember was like they do the, this epidural, like they like put it in my like weird neck hookup stuff. I don't know. And I remember they were like, this cocktail's so good. Like, it's going to be like going out. I'm like, I don't really drink that heavy. So like, <laughs> you're making it sound bad. They're like, no, no, you're like, you're going to love it. You're going to be knocked out in like 30 seconds. And I wasn't knocked out until I was in the room. <laughs> The whole time I was like, so am I going to go to sleep? And I remember the last thing I heard before I fell asleep was the surgeon go, why is she awake? Because <laughs> the whole time I'm like, I don't know, man. I think I'm different. I think I think it doesn't work for me. <laughs> I'm just like monologuing about how I'm still kicking it, still feeling feelings. And then I woke up screaming, which was also its own like level of insanity. Because, like, like, the last thing you heard is, why is she still awake? <laughs> so, you know, if you didn't wake up screaming, I'd be concerned. Yeah, you're like, wow, she just, like, was, she's really that guy. But, no, I uh, I fully woke up screaming. My mom was on one side of the bed. My friend Tim was on the other. And I was just like, ah! <laughs> I just, like, back down. <laughs> and then it was like, I feel like it must have been two hours later. We kind of repeated it. But then I was just sort of like, whoa. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously, the rest is is history. It's pain in a hospital, <laughs> yelling in a hospital, pushing <laughs> buttons to keep getting that pain drip. It's, <laughs> it's really, it's like Dance Dance Revolution for your body's pain goo centers. Button, button, button. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to miss. You don't want to accidentally doze off eight minutes in when you're supposed to push the button again. <laughs> And and it's also like, you know, the nurses, you want to be on their good side because it's like, I want to be the favorite patient. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh I don't God. know if you have, like, I'm a people pleaser. I want to be liked. So it's like, I want to be the best patient. Yes. When I'm in, you know. Yeah. So, like, like, I feel like they're judging day. me. Like, I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to be the person that you guys talk about in the break room. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. Absolutely. And it's like, if, if anything goes wrong, I want you to be like, maybe a little bit concerned emotionally about me. Like, I know this is your job and you see people all the time, but like, I want you to like, I, like, I, I dream, this is like the dream. I'm like, oh my God, I hope those nurses go back home and say, hi, honey, how was your day? And then they're like, oh my God, I had this patient and she was just so quirky and nice. And I actually cared about her and she did good. Like Aww. in my head, that's what I want. <laughs> I don't know why I have this, like, cause I feel like comedy mm-hmm. is a, a deeply humanizing aspect. Like the moment that I went into the surgery, I couldn't stop making jokes. Um, and I can tell that like everyone else that was just setting up and also like you go into this like really sterile environment with like a metallic yes, bed. It looks that wild. looks like Frankenstein <laughs> shit. Like everything's white. Your ass is hanging out. Yes. Like it's the most dehumanizing thing. They like there's nothing about you that like you can't express your personality with your 
robe. Right. Like you know, they walk mean, in and just... they ask you your name every time because they don't know who you are at all. Like, they, just, they don't again. know who They want to make sure that they're doing the same, the, the right thing on the right person. Yeah. Like you're just like, okay, so you're the one who ordered the McRib. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm the McRib. <laughs> I'm, I'm the McRib. Yes, correct. And it's so interesting because in the room, I could tell that the anesthesiologist, like, could tell that I needed humor. Mm-hmm. And then everyone started t- telling jokes. Mm-hmm. And they were terrible, terrible jokes. Yeah, like, sure. in a normal <laughs> world, I wouldn't laugh. I'd be like, this is an awful joke. Please shut up. But in the moment of high intensity of, like, a lot of nerves, a lot of anxiety, it was all, it was like a drug. Yeah. It was like a, it sedated me into just, it, it, it's so weird, but it's almost like, even if I do die here, <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't lose myself in it. Right. I, I'd still made fun of it. Right. And like I think about that, that like the moments where it seems like because this is what this is the problem. Like tearjerker movies are never funny. There's never like a moment of levity in tearjerker movies. You're just like crying the whole yeah. the whole time through. And life isn't a tearjerker movie because no. when you're going through tearjerker chapters, you, you have funny moments. Always. You have moments that you just laugh at. And I feel like a lot of people are afraid to laugh at those moments because it, it feels it feels like you're making light of it. But it, but isn't that part of? Yeah, I mean, I think of, that that's like it's so human nature, right? Is like it's almost a survival mechanism of like if I have to go through hardship, I have to be able to make myself happy. And if laughing is the thing, then like I'm going to do everything in my power to make other people laugh, to make myself laugh, to feel like you know, at least as I was dying in a hospital, like I, it wasn't you know such a a bummer. I, <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want to sign up for the bummer aspect. <laughs> like, this is it. This is the end. Like, I remember I was really like, I was just coming up with tweets I would send as like my last tweet. And then I still, like, got on this like kick of looking at like famous people's last tweets when they like died, which is not great. But the best one is Corey Monteith's. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but he was. Uh, no, tell me about. Tell, so this is the last tweet he sent out before he passed away. Yeah. So he died of an over- overdose uh, very tragically young. Uh, he was on Glee. And his last tweet was. Oh, like a shark tornado. (laughs) That's brilliant. And I'm like, you know, I need something like that. And I'm pretty sure mine was like, just like saccharine nonsense. Because my mom was like, don't tweet shark tornado. (laughs) But I'm like, mom, who cares? Whatever. Please let me have... You want BuzzFeed articles about what your last tweet might be. Exactly. I want that to be like some list. I'm number like 37 on best last tweets for dead people. Not enough dead people had Twitter accounts, so it's really a thin list. It's it's a very thin list. So since like five years have passed. Yes. You went through a time where like you you thought maybe like death is a thing that could happen because we go through life like pretending death isn't happening it's kind of like when you're at a restaurant and a crazy person starts yelling in the restaurant and everyone is just pretending nothing is happening like that's what death is for me (laughs) it's like everyone knows everyone's going to go through it it's all over the place but we all pretend it's not happening Mm -hmm. but i think that once you're confronted with something like this it's you can't yeah ignore it yeah i would say that's a thousand percent true did it change the way that you like see death yeah which is funny because i i just played this game the other day and it's like just questions but they're kind of like deep getting to know each other questions and one of them was like when did you realize you weren't invincible if you have realized that you're not invincible and my answer was actually when I was 17 and totaled my car (laughs) because I was like man that happened really fast like I wasn't that injured I got a concussion and like my lip got busted but like it was still like damn like my I just got and you totaled your car yeah yeah and that's all that happened to you yeah I mean to be fair my car was worth nothing (laughs) oh okay (laughs) (laughs) any scratch would have been a total The other car I hit was totally fine. My car was like crunched. And I was like, okay. Um, (laughs) Yes, I walked to the mall job I have. (laughs) I was like, I thought that was it. And so I do think that's when I realized I wasn't invincible. But as far as surgery went, it did change the way I thought about death. Because I think that like... It gave me a sense of like the inevitability of it. Like a car accident was kind of random, right? It was like it just sort of happened. and It was very quick. Uh, and I was also like young and basically unscathed, you know, like I went worked at the mall the next week. <laughs> it was fine. Uh, but this one, I was just like, oh, like this is actually a part of life. Like part of life is having your health just do something insane suddenly. And then you have to mm-hmm. either overcome it or you die. And you don't really have a say in that necessarily, you know, like you can do everything you can and you can hope. But like ultimately, I realized there was nothing I could have done 
with like the car accident, I probably didn't have to look for my cell phone at that moment because someone was calling me and salt and pepper was playing. And I was like, I need to find the phone. And I looked down for half a second and I wrecked into somebody. <laughs> but like in this instance, of like there's really there was no thing that I can point to where I could have done something else. And it also just like put into perspective the fact that like there's this lyric in a death cab song. So please indulge me. Uh, where they say death cap for QB? Yeah, death cap for QB. Yeah, Cubism. Death cap for QB. Death cap for Quibi. Death cap for Quibi. Seven minutes of death. Death cap for Quibi has to be tweeted. It. They had this lyric that was like, I mean, the song I think is called Sarah's song, and it's about like. You know, love is watching someone die. But the real lyric is like uh, every prayer. Wait, every plan is a prayer to father time. And it really struck me in that moment when I realized I was sick. I was having a major surgery and I was going to be sick until I had that surgery. And then I'd be recovering for a long time. Uh, Was that like, oh, all of these plans I have, these grand plans for my life where I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to have kids. I'm going to get married. I'm going to go to this. You know, I'm going to be in Lake Como. (laughs) drinking wine like whatever mundane or extravagant thing that I truly had planned for this very long life because that's what I planned for I wasn't like let's get it done in six months you know all of that is in a way like a prayer it is like a a hope it is faith in the idea that you you'd have more and so Mm -hmm. I do think that there is a level of uh like I've changed because of that like I don't stay at jobs very long, which is like, this is like this job I have now is the longest job I've ever had. And it's coming up on like a year and a half, two years almost. Um, I don't, you know, if I'm at a party and it sucks and I'm like, you know, it'd be so much better is like playing a video game. I just leave. And it's not mm-hmm. because I, you know, am like, I have to do the best thing. It's just like, oh, time is so precious. And I think that like, it, I had taken it for granted in a lot of ways in the same way that I think we all felt about like the pandemic initially where it's like, damn, why did I say no to lunch so many times when like now all I want to do is go to a lunch where someone like pitches me on something that is very stupid and the food's only okay and the train is late and I'm sweating from my face. (laughs) Why did I not go to all of those things? And it's like, you know, like I think I've come to terms with the fact too that like you can choose you can choose to do what you can with the time that you were lucky enough to have. And so I just feel really like that, that was the thing. It's interesting also how quickly we forget. Oh, it's, it's true. Like, you know, I, I remember after all of this, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to prioritize my family and my friends more <laughs> than my work. And I'm going to, and then now I'm just like, all I'm doing is working. Like I'm literally, there's a family reunion right now. All my family and friends are like somewhere <laughs> like having a fun hike. And yes. I'm just like, I can't, I yeah, have to yeah. write my script and I got to do my, you know what I mean? Yeah. But because, because I have dreams in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Like my future, I, I expect my future to be better than my present. Yeah. Yeah. But after this experience, it's like, actually, you don't, you're not sure. I mean, I think human being, and there's this book called Stumbling Upon Happiness that I love, but you know, it, it basically says that neurologically speaking, human beings, we treat our future selves almost like our child. Yeah. Like we do everything to help our future selves. Mm-hmm. We care about our future selves more than our current selves usually. Totally. Like, oh, I, I got to eat well because my future self, oh, you know what I want to do? I want to pack today so my future self can just go straight to the airport. You're always thinking about your future self. Yeah. And um. When these kind of things happens, it's like, oh, I don't know what my future self is going to even be like or look like or act like. And I think after going through this, it's like, oh, my God, thank God I'm I'm more myself. It's I'm not someone different. And I always was afraid that something traumatic was going to change me. But it just makes you more yourself. That's so like I I, that is a word like Like, that is right. It's like I never realized what I meant with I'm a comedian more than after realizing that at my core, comedy is what I use to survive yeah. and live this world. It isn't what I – yes, it's yes, my career. Yeah, like you happen to make money doing it. But the truth is I also think that like you get so much value out of making other people laugh. And like I understand why you would choose work sometimes. You know what I mean? Because your work allows you to do that more. That's how you help the world. That's how you relate to people. I think that everything you're saying – I I definitely resonated with. I also think that like anyone who has like a chronic illness or something where they're like stuck at home. I mean, like truly, I will say, you know, there's probably a benefit in me being sick five years ago. Like I kind of felt like really cheated in the pandemic where I'm like, I already had to stay home. (laughs) 
that sucks. Like, why <laughs> How we dare you? Yeah. I already did this. That's exactly. You all can stay home and catch up. Like, it's not fair. But then I was also <laughs> like, there was so much that I learned in that time that like it stopped feeling scary really quickly to me where I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I know how to be alone and I know how to um, make the most of it. And I, I know how to weather, you know, terrible storms. And I just feel like there's there's so much value in in surviving something like this, even though it's like I would if I had a choice, I obviously would never have had that happen, you know, but I do think that like to your point about being more yourself. I think that like one great lesson of my life is that like I always thought someone had to choose me where it's like I need to get chosen for this school. I need to get chosen for this scholarship. I have to get chosen by some uh, studio. I have to get chosen, you know, by a boy. I have to get chosen by all of these things. Like and so everything I'm doing is in an effort to be chosen by something. Mm-hmm. And then when that happens, you realize like, oh, well, this tumor chose me. So it looks like I actually need to start choosing stuff. Like, turns out I, I'm in control of so many more parts of my life and I can wait for things to happen or be afraid to try things because I, I think it's not the right thing. Or like, oh, you if I choose this and then I miss out on that, I've messed up. And I think that I just realized like, you know, there isn't a right way to do life. There isn't some like actual path that like if I follow it I won't get sick again or I won't you know end up dating the wrong person or I won't take the wrong job when I should have taken a different one or whatever like you know life is just all the choices and so I think it's actually mm-hmm. made me relax so much more because I realized like you know it's it's not even a fear it's just like a reality of like tomorrow we could be back in the hospital so it's like what am I going to do that makes me feel good that is what I want to do is in the direction I'm looking for and like what am I choosing every day and it's like if it's miserable like reassess that shit and do something else (laughs) it's you know i i had a really big surgery at 21 because i i had a bike accident and i broke both my elbows simultaneously (laughs) and i had like an eight hour what the hell sorry wait a minute (laughs) oh girl yeah like i i survived venezuela i survived caracas the murder and kidnapping capital of the world i survived it then i went to cape town (laughs) rented a bicycle Got crossed wrecked. an empty parking lot <laughs> and fucked myself up. Like I broke every bone in my yeah. arm. It was like I had an eight-hour surgery on it, whatever. That's so and it was much. really terrible and it was really, really bad because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to move my arm again. But it felt different than this last time. I was 21 then and it 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 was the it was like the question you said. This is like the first time I realized I wasn't invincible. Yeah. But I still felt like I was um immortal i have a question for you about all of this yeah uh when you were recovering i mean you're I, are you recovered how do you feel like what's where are you now so i i have a i have to do another surgery um probably in the fall mm-hmm. uh i almost feel like it feels so weird it it i feel like oh, oh i shouldn't have made a big deal out of it oh my god like oh my god i'm fine like yes oh my god like um and i but at the same time it's i a felt big deal. my brain sort of <laughs> just from over here i want to say it's it's that big c word it's it's no nothing to sneeze at you know you don't have to downplay well, it's, it it's very it's crazy because i okay so i go to the dermatologist i get this thing tested and when i go back to her to like get the results she says okay so yes it is it is a cancer and then i started crying and she goes why are you crying and i'm like why do you think i'm crying what did you you just say what did you just say like let's play it back like can we bring it back up (laughs) she said cancer right (laughs) and she was like no 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 but this isn't like you're not gonna you're not gonna die like it's fine you just have to get it treated um so it was this weird thing where it was cancer mm-hmm. and it could have been really, really bad yeah. if I had waited a little longer. Um, but at the same time, it was bad. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was this constant fight of like, you know, with my first doctor, for example, of her minimizing how bad it was mm-hmm. and then me coming to terms with how bad it really was. Yeah. Like it, it, I went through like this 24-hour period where I just didn't understand where I stood with how I was. So I, okay, so wait, I'm not going to die. All right. Okay. So not going to die. We got the cancer out, but now I don't have a cheek. Yeah. Will I ever look the same? Yeah. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be worrying about how I look because I survived because I, I, I right. they took the tumor out. Oh my God. I should be so grateful, but I literally don't have a cheek. Yeah. Oh my. And it's just this feeling of like, I felt really bad about, um, about caring being about so it. upset about not but having I, a cheek. But I also, I mean, I still like, I think you'll feel different about it as time goes on, you know, like Mm -hmm. I think that all of that uncertainty is exactly right, because I felt 
I mean, I gained a ton of weight when I was sick and I had like all of this shame about it. Like I booked a role finally, like something uh, a few months after the surgery. And I remember I like I was going for the fitting in L.A. and I was just so upset, like nothing fit. I like gave them my old sizing and it was just like the end of the world to me. Like I was like, this is so mm-hmm. horrible. And I was watching the Olympics, which is not a great thing to watch because you cry anyway. <laughs> And I was just like touching the mirror in the hotel room, just like, it's okay. Like your Olympics is surviving surgery. And (laughs) (laughs) like, you know, it's funny because I think like at first I was like, I don't care about the scar. And I really didn't. And then it like, it changed. Like at one point it got like wider and then it like started losing pigment. And it was just like, it, it just, it kept changing. And I was like, okay, I actually would like some consistency in my life. And so, you know, even now, I think because I have a pool now (laughs) and only temporarily, let's be clear, I'm going to leave this place. But because I have a pool now, I'm like so much more aware of it because I'm like, well, I'm not wearing crop tops in the winter. (laughs) Like, who cares? (laughs) But now I'm like, oh, no, like it is kind of a thing where I'm not even self-conscious about it, but people will ask about it. And I don't want to go to a party and then have to explain like I got cut open five years ago because of this thing. And it's not a shame thing. It's just like it's it's sort of just like a thing where I think people want to be real. So they're like they're not going to ignore it. But it's also like I would rather just not like I, it's it's a thing that you wear on yourself that, you know, people do see. And I don't know what's right. I don't know if people should just ignore it or if they should say something. But I also know that, like, I'm not always up for telling people, especially people I don't know very well. Um, and so yeah. it's like it's just tough. Me- meanwhile, me, I'm like, I have this weird freaking thing on my face like if you look in my face i don't look normal yet and like i can't like, i mean i can't it, see here, it, like, look, it looks it looks really good to me baby <laughs> it looks it, really it looks good. good but it's just i'm like not a little bit i don't color. look normal especially when i'm like moving it gets purple whatever so i it's on my face i know it doesn't look normal and all i want to do is tell people about it because mm-hmm. i can see people staring mm-hmm. and i don't want to be the one to be like oh let me explain to you i had um a huge skin cancer tumor removed like i don't want to be the one to bring it up so i'm like kind of like sometimes i just like put my face a certain way yeah. and just be like oh it is tingling today just like hoping someone yes. asks me so i can just <laughs> give them my backstory can as I to why you? i have this weird you have this weird oval on the side of my face um like i i'm the type of person that is desperate to share things with people so I don't feel alone yeah and that's um, beautiful that's all I want is like I see people staring at it and I want to explain it to them but then I feel weird making them uncomfortable um I mean I do feel like it's (laughs) that is where we differ because I want them to be uncomfortable like I have used my scar at the end of soul cycle classes where I'm just like trash like I'm in the front I'm slow I'm not keeping up everyone's like why are you in the front like you're fucking like out of shape ass to the back I, I hate that I hate that soul cycle hierarchy by the way it's, it's like if you're in the front it's like you have to be as good yeah. as the Instru- as the instructor yes. I'm like how dare you I paid $40 to do this dumb 40 minute class exactly. I can do whatever the fuck if I, I want to dance in the front and blow out the candles I can do that <laughs> so it's just like, give me a break. But they all look at you like you're not an athlete. And so I would always like change really slowly in the changing room. So they'd have to look at the scar and then feel bad for judging me. You know, like I'm like, yeah, yeah. Remember you guys thought I was just out of shape, but maybe. And I'm like, I actually am just out of shape. It's been years. Like it turns out this could have been. I love that you have like a CW scene written in your head every time you go to Soul Cycle with your scar. It's definitely not uh, good for my mental health to go to Soul Cycle <laughs> if I have to like talk myself up to these people. <laughs> <laughs> but I do it and I, I make them feel weird and bad about it. Well, it is it is like a, a badge, right, of a moment in your life that did alter and change you. Like, that's what I see my scars as, like yeah. my arm scar and now my dumb face scar. And, you know, I'm going into surgery um, in the fall. They're going to remove the piece of skin that's there currently and just like pull it back, whatever. I don't know what they're going to do. It's going to, I'm going to have like a facelift on half of my face. It's going to look great. Going to be 27 on one side, 32 (laughs) on another. Um, And I realized that like, it's going to disappear basically Mm -hmm. with the years, the scar will be lighter. You know, I'm not going to have this weird skin patch anymore. It's just sort of going to fade into the past. Yeah. Um, And there's something about not having it on me anymore that is both relieving, but at the same time, kind of sad to me. Mm Um, because I feel like a different person. Yeah. Um, but I, I will look the same. Yeah. After. And all I wanted this whole time was to look the same. I like, you don't know how many times I told my husband, I was like, I just want my, I just like all those years of being like, oh my God, I wish my nose was smaller. Oh my God, I wish my chin. Mm-hmm. I just want a cheek, dude. Yeah. I straight up only want my face to look like a normal person <laughs> I face. Love you so much. I just want a cheek, dude. Like, I'm not even asking for like anything different. I just like want a cheek. 
I just like want a cheek. I don't want it to be like a concave portion of my face right now. Like there's no fat there or skin. I just want to be filled out and have it be the color of my skin. Um, and now it's like, oh, you and, will. and the doctor is always like, oh, the, the scar is going to be, you're, you're basically going to be able to hide it. And I'm like, I mean, okay, but I also don't mind if it's not hidden. Yeah. There's something about it being there that makes me feel like a, like, a, like what you said is like a, a really terrible tattoo. Like but it's still a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. I didn't choose it, but it's right. a tattoo. Like I don't have tattoos. And I think that my scars, like the one on my arm and now the one on my face is like a little tattoo I chose to yeah. show how badass I am. Like I can't do tribal tattoos, but I will do. <laughs> yes. Amen. I mean, I feel you. I'm getting a revision surgery on my scar. And it's funny because like people are always like, you know, they want to be body positive about like my body for some reason. <laughs> They're like, no, it's amazing. It's like, you don't it's get so to good. be positive about my body, dude. <laughs> exactly. Like, no, let me be okay. Let me cut it into you. Let me cut it into you, and then we can all have the discussion <laughs> about how great it looks. <laughs> oh, you don't want that? You think it's weird if I cut you open? <laughs> great. So then, like, mind your damn business. But like, the truth is, I I feel the same. I feel that same sort of tension of like, you know, I I I it is a like I have a massive scar, and it's. It's dark, it, like keloided. It looks like I went to the plastic surgeon to talk like a surgeon, <laughs> margarine. I love my surgeons. <laughs> it's it's like it's like butter. It's like the margarine version. Yeah, of I a can't surgeon. believe it's, it's not surgery. surgery. <laughs> <laughs> I went to my surgeon and I was like, okay, so like this is it. And uh, it was funny because he was like, he was like, um. Did Stevie Wonder do the surgery? <laughs> like, oh my god, it? are you serious? And I laughed so hard. I was actually glad that he recognized I was there for that reason. I'm like, yeah, it it's kind of a hack job. Like, I'm alive, but like, it looks crazy. And he was. I love that the doctor was like, "Oh, did a blind person <laughs> perform a surgery? That's how bad this looks." I know, like, I'm like straight yes. up to your face. Was he negging you? What I is know, this? Right. It was very bizarre and. I don't even know why I liked it. I think it was because I didn't want him to pretend it was okay. Like, you know, like, mm. no, it's beautiful. I'm like, no, how good can you make it? <laughs> Tell me how ugly it is now so that I have a, a gauge. And I, it's, you know, it'll still be a scar, but it won't be discolored. It'll be very thin. And I, it is weird because it's like, oh, this thing that I've spent so much time not even thinking about, it's just like I'm aware of. Like anytime I'm changing mm-hmm. clothes somewhere in front of somebody, whether it be sexy times or just... Because I happen to be in a room. (laughs) I'm just like, oh, this is a thing that I forgot about until this moment. And now it's like probably going to be a conversation. I mean, I think I still have the uh, it'll probably still be a conversation, but people won't think it's as bad. And I'm like, that's kind of weird. Like, (laughs) I kind of like the overreaction so I can calm them down. If they're just like, oh, that doesn't seem bad. I'm like, it was pretty bad, actually, though. Like, you guys weren't there. Like. (laughs) You want your scar to be the billboard of your trauma. Yes. You don't want it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you guys like, don't know. I, I want you to see the trauma. Shit. They're like, no, you look fine. Like, you're actually great. I'm like, no. I mean, I know I don't want to be defined by it, but like, I'm kind of defined by it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because like, because you were talking about like your your accident. And I was talking about my bike accident. And I'm like, for those things, I'm like, I can blame that shitty bike and be pissed at the person that rented the bike mm-hmm. from me. Or like, you know, and then with with like, body things like what happened to me it's like i can't be what am am i gonna like curse out the sun (laughs) like fuck you sun for giving me cancer like that's not exciting that doesn't feel but there's something about this is terrible i think it's human nature there's something about like placing blame and and putting that anger and frustration and and uh, of that's basically sort of covering up your fear and 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 anguish towards someone Mm -hmm. and when it's your body it's like oh you can't really be mad at anyone you can't you funnel that anger towards anything yeah. and um i remember i i was like oh my I, I was like freaking out and my mom made a mistake and accidentally showed me the picture of the hole in my face because it was covered up mm-hmm. but my mom accidentally opened the picture that the doctor sent of like my post mose surgery mm-hmm. cheek which was oh my god it looked Drama like a, it looked like a zombie movie it looked like someone bit my cheek off and oh, all no. you could see is like the muscle it was disgusting oh, no. And I saw it. And in that moment, it was like all the anger and frustration I had that I couldn't really yeah, put anywhere, funnel and gear toward, towards anyone. I just yelled at my mom, mm-hmm. like overreacted. And I was like, oh, my God, I felt terrible about it afterwards. But I was like, no, my body wanted something to blame for something. Yeah. yeah. Like that's a, I, and like, she, yeah. I mean, it's also like grief. It's like a stage of grief. Like you are mourning 
in a way, like what you used to think you looked like or what you used to look like or what your life used Mm. to be before this struggle. And it's like anger is there. And you're right. There's nowhere easy to put it like. I mean, I remember I kept getting angry at my mom. And the truth is, like, she was just being clumsy. But, like, she just kept dropping, like, her purse on my, like, stomach in the car and stuff. I'm like, Mom, please. Like, do you even give a fuck? <laughs> You're going to rip my stomach open? She kept putting on shows that were scary, so I would jump. And then I'm like, I think we have to go back to the hospital. <laughs> like, you know? Like, I just felt like she was purposely trying to see how bad, like, what is the line before I will literally die? And she's like, I, I'm really just, like, I'm 60. Like, I'm just not paying attention. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you're trying to kill me. And she's like, oh, I think that this isn't about me. I'm like, you're right. I'm yelling at the tumor in this moment. Like, I'm angry that your mom I was your mom was the, the your your mom was the um like surrogate tumor yes. in those moments. Yes. <laughs> where you just could trying. just yell at it. Because it's it's so funny. It I mean, yeah, man, I yell I at some was, people on the street. I have to tell you this because it's so stupid. But when I was Tell recovering me, from my surgery, so it was like the first week after and you have to walk a lot. They're like, you have to walk. It's just good for blood circulation, whatever. And I hated it. It was so hot in New York and I'm walking really slow, which is like, I hate that in regular times. And now I have like real respect for people who have to walk slower. But like before I was just like, move. <laughs> I'm trying to get places. So I'm walking slow. I'm doing my walk and people keep stopping around me in big groups. And I'm like, what is happening? And it only occurred to me like days into this happening where I'm like, leave me alone, like screaming at these people. They thought I was stopping and like going slow because there was a Pokemon because Pokemon Go had just come out. <gasps> and so every time I would stop at like a trash can, they were like, there's a Pokemon. Over there. Oh, my God. And I was like, get away. <laughs> oh, my God. They thought they was like, oh, my God, a Pikachu. It's yes. like, no, it's me. I'm the Pokemon. My body. <laughs> get away from me. My body is fucked up right now so i yelled okay. at them they were my surrogate tumor as well <laughs> i'm like yes i must go I, I did now. yell at one other person other than my mom i yelled at one other surrogate tumor <laughs> i was crossing the street and this guy like almost ran me over and it was like yeah, the him. wrath of satan i was like <laughs> i was i was like i had o sea, como que my face was all fucked up i was like finally went for a walk and this motherfucker almost, almost killed me you. over <laughs> and like i'm sure he was distracted it's fine it happens to all of us I unleashed a demon inside of me. <laughs> His car exploded. I, he just looked at him. But then, but then he started yelling at me like, you, you fucking bitch. You. And I was like, oh, no, he didn't. And yeah. it just escalated and escalated. And it ended with me yelling at him. I have cancer. And he paused for a second. And he was like, well, I don't fucking care. And he just drove off. And um, you know, I was like, I thought that would day. make me feel better. Turns out, made me feel worse. So <laughs> that's when I stopped yelling. I was like, yelling is not going to help here. Yeah. <laughs> it's not helping me at all. Yeah. Um, but this is, there's, it's like a comp, it's what you said. It's, it's grief. And when you go through grief, there's just, it's, it, there's it's these linear. stages that people say grief is. <laughs> yeah. What did you say? It's not linear, you know? Like, it's like one day I'm yeah. like in the anger stage and I'm back at denial. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm good. And I can just go and like, I'm better now. I'm better. And it's like, no, like you actually have to rest. Like, they're just, it's, it's all of the stages of grief at differing parts of the day for months and months and months. And then at some point it's just like, oh, wow, we, we survived it. And you almost forget that it done. happened. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like someone else talks about their surgery and then you remember that you had one. Like, it's it's wild. Yeah. I mean, like when I saw well, that you were you were sick, I I immediately was taken back to that place, and I felt so bad because I was it was truly the distance. I was like, oh, I was I had the the benefit of people being right there, and people being able to sit in the room with me when I was going to the hospital, you know, week after week, day after day. And so I, you know, I think that you had a very specific go of it that I think you also should be allowed to like mourn and grieve is the fact that like. You didn't get to have the experience of people, you know, sending you a million things on Amazon and just like sitting on your bed and like telling you stories while you're like, oh, my body actually hurts. Please shut up. <laughs> Stop talking to me now. I can't laugh. <laughs> it was such a bizarre way to bookend the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, we're all alone. And then I'm like, oh, no. I remember when I went to the doctor and I was like, it, we did the biopsy and I was like, what are the odds that? something bad has has happened like it's 2020 was a nightmare yeah I, there can't be anything wrong and then when she was like jk it's really bad it was like 
Oh my god! Yeah, like there really? is no, there actually isn't somebody overhead being like. I mean, maybe I don't know, but there's no one who's just like out there being like, "This is the right thing." Like, this is enough suffering. <laughs> we there's no stop. head writer. Like, hey, why don't we pause? Because I think our main character does need to feel joy for like a couple episodes before we hit her with a cancer. <laughs> what if she could just acclimate to being stuck at home? They're like, no. What if she has no. to do that and overcome? <laughs> She is the martyr. She is Job. She's Job. <laughs> but you know what it is, Akila? You know what's crazy? It was like the pandemic, everyone was going through something. And it felt like this, yes, we were isolated, but there was this weird camaraderie where like humor was all quarantine humor and we all made the same jokes yes. and whatever. And then it's like going through something that no one really fully understands other than myself was such a change in gears mm-hmm. of like, oh my God, I'm not in the same boat as everyone I'm alone kind of in this, like people can help me, but no one really understands what I'm going through. And that was a weird switch of like, and as a comedian, it's like, oh, doing things in quarantine is so easy because I don't have to give context to people. People are living through this thing. If I make a joke, they already understand what I'm saying. But then with my whole like cancer thing and surgery, I'm like, oh my God, I have to give so much context for people for me to be able to make a joke about this because they don't understand. There's so much to explain. And it reminded me that so many people suffer and go through really difficult moments alone yeah. or at least with only themselves understanding how it feels. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's why I but feel at the so same grateful time, it felt- that you want to talk to yeah. me. Yeah. I mean, I feel grateful that like you, like we are good enough friends because the truth is it's like, I, I wouldn't have understood it had we not talked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 everything is through the lens of what I know about my body and how I had to deal with something. And it's still not what mm-hmm. you, you went through, you know? So it's like, like I can empathize with what you went through. Like I, I feel like, but at the same time, I don't know what it's like to have my my torso and stomach open. I, and I'm aware I don't understand it. Yeah. So I can empathize with some of the feelings of it, but at the same time, it's I know that what you went through isn't the same. And which is what really frustrates me about people trying to, mm-hmm. which is like this whole thing what we were talking about before, where people think you're a different person, yes. right? One of the things I can't stand is people feeling like they have to get to my level to communicate with me. So it's like, oh, you had cancer. My dad had a mole removed. (laughs) And I'm like, is that, are you done? Yeah. And they're like, like, cool. You don't need to, you don't need to be here with me in my sorrow. You can be wherever. You can just talk to me. Yeah. And like, I I think it's human, it's like human nature to be like, oh my God, let me, let me get on your level. And then in getting on the level, it's actually really annoying yeah it's like it's it's disrespectful you don't understand yeah and like all i wanted to hear i think the whole time wasn't like i'm so sorry you're sick it wasn't uh you know i had this other stomach surgery i'm sure it was similar you'll be fine i didn't want to hear any of that shit all i wanted was to like do what i was doing the day before you know what i mean like i just wanted to like talk about memes and just be like look be my friend in this and like if i want to cry about it like just give me the space you know but like it is this weird thing where I think people just feel like it's such an unrelatable thing or that it, it won't happen to them or because it hasn't happened to them, it's not going to or um, that they have to be some version of supportive that they saw on like Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> or something. And I'm like, why don't you just not try that? Because you're not a good actor. And like, it's better if you just just like say like, wow, talk. <laughs> I will listen. I would have loved it, someone it, to just listen. It's what we talked about before. It's like, the people I gravitated to the most were the people that just treated me like Joanna and would like make jokes and would be like, yo, that fucking sucks, dude. You don't you don't have a cheek. Damn. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just funny. Like, I, like people yes. that treated me like they always treated me made me feel like I wasn't losing myself mm-hmm. more than I already was. Yeah. Um, and you're one of those people. You were really supportive and you also made jokes. And I I just appreciated that. I was like, oh, I, I, I'm the same. Everything else is different, but I, I'm sort yeah. of at my core uh, the same. I love that as we're talking about this, like, really emotional backstory, it started, like, straight up raining and thundering on my end, like, wow. as if we do have someone controlling the environment yeah. to match it with the conversation. <laughs> There's, like, like lightning and thunder and, like, you know, the gravitas of this moment is really replicated in the weather right now. <laughs> Probably not in LA. You're probably like, it's probably gorgeous and sunny yeah. and like perfect. My Yeah, it's unfortunately Ugh. perfect. And my dog is just barking loudly. So he is the thunderstorm. <laughs> I'm like, you're he fine. He is your There's thunderstorm. literally no one at the house. He's literally just chilling. He just, he likes to be loud. But yeah, I think, um, I think that this is just such an important conversation for me personally. And I hope for the audience listening as well. But truly just like, look, life happens 
you can plan for what you want and hope that it works out. But like at any point, this curveball can hit you. And like, I just I think that everything you've said about the way people react to illness or even just the news of illness or, you know, like if even if you didn't feel sick, but you had this happening to you. Right. Like the way they react to that is I think sometimes to distance themselves by creating a different version of you and like uh, and to be like, well, now she's a survivor or like now everything she posts is going to be about that. Or like it's just like this caveat with your name. Like this is like, you know, if they introduced you at like a stand up or something and you're just like uh, survived cancer, it's like, right, that that's part of it. But like, that's not my career. That's not how I identify. You know what I mean? Like, I don't personally think about it. I don't identify as cancer. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. As like personally, I just like wouldn't say that I align with cancer's values, but like, you know, go off for them, like no judgment. But I think that like, yeah, there is this thing where because we only interface with it when it's like raise money for it or it's like someone, you know, who has had to lose all of their hair because of chemotherapy or whatever. Like, it's almost like there's a script that they want you to follow so that they don't have to be uncomfortable and remember that, like, oh, that's just a person. And so I think that, like, if you are going through that, we see you. But also if you haven't gone through that, you know, if you have somebody in your life, why don't you just call them up and then, like, listen? (laughs) Just call them up and be yourself and listen. be a little, just act like you'd always act. Like, yeah, hang out. Treat them be like themselves. Chill. They're not someone like different. recommend good shit to watch. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh my God, yes. That's really, Accurate. that's always helpful. <laughs> Even without disease. <laughs> Please recommend me what to watch. I never know what yeah. to watch. I spend most of my time looking for shit to watch. It's actually a huge waste of my time. And I'm sure I'm going to yeah. regret it on, on my deathbed. It's going to be, yeah. you know, those like deathbed regrets. It's like, oh, yes. you work. It's like, I regret working so much. I'm like, I regret. Spending all that time choosing what to watch. I should have just pressed play and just like done it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember when like. But uh, anyway, uh, I don't know if it was Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses. So no shade to either of them. Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses go off to your thing. But one of them came to my door when I was a kid and they gave me this pamphlet that was like, when you die, you watch a movie of your life. And I'm like, in real time? And like, yes. Like, it's like a documentary. Like, that seems like a really long way to do life, but okay. And I remember like thinking, like, every time I do something that wastes my time now, I'm like, that's going to be part of it. <laughs> I have to relive not knowing what to watch on Netflix when I die. <laughs> that sucks. Like, that seems like not heaven. <laughs> I mean, I will say that if I if we have to watch a movie of our lives, at least we will be entertained. Yeah, I want some highlights. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I need a highlight reel. <laughs> I'll sit you through the, the highlights. You need the, you know, you need the the menu of your scar. Mm-hmm. I want to um, score. You need, <laughs> yes. You need the getting your dog. You need the, your mom almost murdering you with her purse. All of these things need to be in the highlight reel. <laughs> yes. Yes. And talking to you Akila, on this podcast is the highlight reel. And exactly. This. I will relive this. I want to relive this podcast in real time, which we will because I'll listen to it. Um, Akila, this was, this was such a joy Especially because, you know, we haven't been able to hang out during the pandemic, reconnecting on something that feels really real and human with someone that is very funny. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Was my therapy for this week. Oh, literally same. You are such a joy. I'm so glad you're doing the show. I'm so glad you want me to be on it. It's so funny and good. (laughs) So funny and good. (laughs) Well, I hope you move when you move back to New York, um, the Akila Joanna duo is reunited and we will gallivant it's gonna be beautiful through dive bars in brooklyn mm-hmm. and perhaps you know over spend money on charcuterie plates and not regret it that's and that's what our life is gonna be i love that thank you thank you for promising that to me <laughs> <laughs> thanks akila you're the best <laughs>